This is a series that we've been doing for a few weeks now, four or five weeks now. And we've been looking at our lives and talking a lot about our stories and how uh, kind of looking at it through the paradigm, looking at our lives and our stories through the paradigm of these life change moments that God does something inside of us as we encounter sometimes something really good, like mountaintop moments, and sometimes something really hard, struggle moments. But as we walk through these life change moments, God does something inside of us, and God changes us and grows us and allows us to experience him and who he is in a new way and in a deeper way. And so we've been talking about this um, throughout this series, like we should share our stories. You know, our stories are powerful. Your story is powerful, and what you've gone through, God can use in powerful ways in other people's lives as well, right? Your story and my story is not just our story, but it's God's story as well. And when we hold that tight, like when we don't share our stories, whether it's because of embarrassment or fear or nervousness or whatever it is, uh, it's, it's it, like we're missing something that God could be using to affect other people's lives. And we said, so we said throughout this series, we said, what if we shared our stories? Like, what if we thought about life change moments in our own lives and we got a little video camera in front of us or a webcam or whatever, and we spoke to the camera and we said, this is my life change moment and shoot for 90 seconds or less, 60 to 90 seconds. And then what if we uploaded that onto social media, whatever social media you like, hashtag it, my life changed when, and then just see what happens, you know? Because we really believe that when we put ourselves out there, and tonight we're going to talk about taking a risk. When we take a risk and put ourselves out there, we get a chance to see God do amazing things. And so I want to challenge you to do that. Uh, we've been talking about it throughout this series, and some of you have done it, and I'm hoping that more of you will. And I would love to hear stories in your life about how God has used your story to affect other people. Make sense? So a few weeks ago, um, we talked about how our life changes when we choose peace. And we said, uh, followers of Jesus, God is a God of peace. Jesus came to make peace for us, right? And so as followers of Jesus, we need to be people who seek peace. And we talked about different life change moments when we do that, right? When we are people of peace. That was one week. Uh, As far as it's up to us, live at peace with everybody. And then the next week, we talked about our secrets and how God uh, can change our lives when our secrets come out. We, talk, we showed a video of Tony and his life and when his secret came out and how God used... Uh, many times we think, when, I, when my secret comes out, it's going to be the worst day of my life. But how many times God can use... So we looked at Timothy and he law. And Paul invested in this young guy, Timothy, in deep, incredible ways. And he looked at him and he said, I see something in you. I see something special in you, and I want to invite you into a friendship in my life, and I want to pour my life out into you. And as Paul did that in Timothy's life, it changed Timothy forever. And Timothy goes on to be an incredibly important part of the early church. And we said, what if we did that? Like, what if we were people that seek to live that way? What if we were people that were looking for Timothys? And we said, who's your Timothy last week? Who's the person that you're investing in? Who's the person that you say that you're looking at and you say, I see something special in you. I see something special inside of you, and I want to invite you into a relationship with me. And I don't know everything, but I want to pour out my life to you and what I know. We said, what would happen if we did that? And we said, man, it takes all of us. You know, we, we launched this campus. Those of you that are visiting, you may not know this. We are like, I think we're six weeks old. I think we're officially six weeks old. 
Uh, we're launching this campus, and we're trying to reach this community because we love this community, and there's so much hurt, and there's so much pain. And we believe that Jesus is the answer to that, right? And so it's going to take all of us, all of us, to invest in other people to make a difference for the gospel here in Barberton. We said, what if we did that? What if we did that? So that was the last few weeks. This week, we're going to continue to look at how our lives change But this week, when we take a risk, my life changed when I took a risk. So this week, I spent a little time reading about risk and, uh, like, why do people do it? Why do people take risks? And I I stumbled upon this article uh, that was titled The Mystery of Risk. And it was written, it was like a National Geographic article. And it was so fascinating. It was talking about you know, these different men and women who were adventurers and explorers and, and people who risked so much to discover like life-changing, world-changing things. And it asked this question. This is what the, the article is really about. It asked this question. Why did these people take such risks? Like, why were they willing to jeopardize so much and continue to do so, even in the face of dire circumstances, with so much uncertainty of results? Like, why were these people willing to take such extreme risks with uncertainty of results? Why would they do it? Like, why would ship captains ever take voyages into uncharted waters just to, like, see what... Especially when you think, like, they thought the world was flat, right? Like, you could just literally drop off. Like, what would possess somebody to do that? What would possess Christopher Columbus to embark on a voyage across the Atlantic when he didn't know what was across the Atlantic? What in the world, like, why would explorers venture out into unknown, unmapped, unchartered areas with potentially hostile people to just see what was out there, right? In this article, I was talking about a guy named John Wesley Powell. I'd never heard of him. He had one arm, a one-armed university professor who explored, went into probably the most dangerous part of the United States, the Grand Canyon, before anybody knew what the Grand Canyon held or what it entailed. He was willing, he was excited to go explore this area and see and map it out and see what it was like. Like, what would possess that? What would possess entrepreneurs to gamble huge investments on new ventures that they didn't know would succeed or not? You know, like, what possessed Henry Ford to bet it all that the automobile would one day replace the horse, right? This is what this article is talking about. And so it went into kind of the biological explanation, the medical explanation, what these scientists said, and this is all a little bit above me, but uh, they, they tried to explain this human desire for risk by looking at the chemicals that communicate to the brain, these neurotransmitters, they're called, and specifically this neurotransmitter called dopamine. Dopamine helps us control our motor skills. It helps us uh, kind of control our emotions of anxiety and fear. And so they talked about these neurotransmitters and these autoreceptors. Autoreceptors affect our appetite for risk. And what they found out in this article, again, this is all a little bit beyond me, but what they found out is that those with few autoreceptors, which kind of inhibit dopamine. So those with few of those and high reservoirs of dopamine get a higher satisfaction from doing riskier things. And the result is like these people that are willing to push the limits, right? They're willing to like venture in and take huge risks. I don't know much about that. My research, however, brought about some slightly different results. When I was doing some neurological... Ex- no, I'm just kidding. I don't know anything about that. It's beyond me. But their conclusion... So this is interesting. Their conclusion from this article is that at our innermost core... See if you agree with this. At our innermost core, we're all risk takers. Like the way that we're wired, part of our human legacy, part of who we are is a risk taker. And when I think about that, 
I really agree with that. You know, stepping out into the unknown, it's like it's part of how we're wired. Now, listen, there are a lot of things in our culture, you know, in our, in our overly cautious at times, safety-first culture that try to inhibit this. But taking risks and discovering new things, it's like invigorating to us. And it brings us, it brings us like excitement. It brings us joy. It's part of who we are. And even more, I believe, it's part of who God made us to be. It's part of how we're made by God. Like it's no accident that your body naturally produces dopamine. And dopamine's production brings you certain positive emotions when you do risky things. Like that's, that's no coincidence. This is how God made us. And believe it or not, I believe... I believe that taking risks is something that God calls each of us to if we're listening. I believe this, that taking risks and stepping out is something that God calls each of us to if we're listening. And many times through that, when we, when we step out and we take risks to this thing that God is calling us toward, our lives and our faith change forever. And we get a chance to see God do amazing things. And I'm not talking about like stepping out and taking like crazy, stupid risks for no reason. It's not what I'm talking about. But when we step out and we take these risks that God is calling us toward, right? We get a chance to see God do amazing things. We get a chance to see our faith grow as God does amazing things. So I want to talk about this. There's a passage in the Bible that I want us to look at together. So grab your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, a lot of people like to use their phone, tablet. That's totally cool. But if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, we've got a table full of them back there. We would love for you to have one of those. But in your Bibles, flip them open to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. In the church Bible, this is page 796. Matthew chapter 14. So we're jumping in like right in the middle of the chapter. We're going to start out in verse 25. We're going to jump in right in the middle of the chapter. And I want to catch up a little bit on what's happening here. Um, Someone very important to Jesus, his cousin actually, was just killed, John the Baptist. And so Jesus hears about this and he's hurting. Like he's hurting. He loves John the Baptist. And so Jesus, hurting, goes off in a boat onto a lake by himself to like be alone. He He was in pain, right? He goes off on a lake by himself to be alone. And when others hear that, you know, where Jesus is going, what they do is they track him down, they get to shore before he lands, and they're there waiting for him as soon as he makes it over to shore. And instead of being frustrated with them, like, think about it. Think, like, put yourself in Jesus' shoes. One of his good friends, family members, who he loves, who was a prophet of God, was just killed, was just murdered. He's hurting. He wants a little time to himself to process through this, right? He lands on shore, and there's all these people, and they were hurting too. And they were there because they were sick. They, were, uh, they needed healed in one way or another. And so instead of being frustrated with them, which is probably what I would do, Jesus has compassion on them. And he begins to heal them of their ailments. And so it's evening. Eventually, you know, he, he spends the, the day doing that, healing them. We get to evening, and to make a long story short, Jesus miraculously, so you have all of these people, literally thousands of people gathered together. Uh, Jesus miraculously takes five loaves of bread and two fish and multiplies that into enough to feed, the Bible says, 5,000 men. And so they estimate that's about 20,000 people. Right, 20,000 people. This is crazy. So after everybody eats, Jesus sends his disciples off on a boat ahead of him to go to the other side of the lake. He then dismisses the crowd. He goes up on the side of a mountain to be by himself again now, to have a little time to pray and spend with his father. 
And uh, eventually, in some of your Bibles, it might say the fourth watch at night, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. So Jesus spent a lot of time praying, right? Somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., he uh, goes out to find his disciples on the lake, and uh, there's kind of some rough waters, and that's where we pick up our story. So uh, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 25, this is what it says. Shortly before dawn, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., fourth watch, Jesus went out to them, to his disciples, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Can you imagine this? Like, I, this, is, this is fascinating to me because I think Jesus has like this flair for the dramatic sometimes. You know, because he's God. He could, he could approach them any way he wanted. I mean, he's, he's got control of the elements. I mean, he could go and just pull the boat toward him, right? But instead, he goes walking on the water to them. He walks out of the water. They're freaking out. Verse 27. But immediately, Jesus says to them. So they're, they're crying out. They're in fear. Immediately, Jesus says to them, verse 27, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then Peter, I love Peter. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. So they're terrified, right? I would be too. You see somebody walking on the water, I would freak you out as well. They're terrified. And Jesus immediately, he doesn't wait. He doesn't let them stay in their terror long, right? Immediately he says to them, it's okay. It's okay. It's me. Don't worry. Like, don't be afraid. Relax. It's going to be all right. And then what does Peter do? I love Peter. I love Peter. What does Peter do? This is fascinating to me because it shows how much Peter trusted Jesus and how powerful already he knew Jesus to be. Peter stares right at Jesus, right into his eyes. He says, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to step onto the water. Tell me to step out of the boat and call me out onto the water. Wow. What a bold request. And Jesus responds very simply in verse 29. He says, come. Look at it. Verse 29. He says, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on water, and he came toward Jesus. Like, can you imagine? Like, what a risk. Anyone you ever know ever walk on water? No, me either, right? Like, what a risk he was taking. How much control do you think Peter had when he stepped out of the boat and walked on the water? None, right? Completely, 100% out of control what was happening next totally 100% dependent on Jesus. But Peter saw Jesus move. He saw uh, Jesus do something pretty amazing, pretty miraculous. And Peter, focused on Jesus, has the faith to ask him if he could be a part of the amazing thing that he's doing. So he looks him in the eyes and he says, call me out onto the water. And Jesus says, all right, come on out, come on out of the boat. So Peter focused on him, on Jesus, eye to eye, He takes a huge risk at Jesus' invitation, and he steps out of the boat, and he sees Jesus do something absolutely amazing. Think about this. Jesus is doing something amazing already. He's walking on water. Now, Jesus miraculously gives Peter the capability to walk on on the water as well, completely on his own. Can you imagine? That's crazy. But look what happens next, verse 30. But then he saw the wind. So Peter walks on the water, he comes toward Jesus, and then he saw the wind, and he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat 
worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus. Truly, they said, truly, you are the son of God. So everything at first, Peter, Peter steps out of the boat. He's trusting Jesus. His eyes are locked on Jesus. Call me out. He steps out of the boat. Everything's going swimmingly, right? Pun intended. Get it? Swimmingly. Everything's going great right at first until Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. And he starts to look around. He starts to look around. And he sees the wind. And he sees the waves. And he thinks, I'm walking on water. Like, people aren't supposed to be able to walk on water, right? What am I doing? And he gets scared. He gets afraid. He's terrified. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and he focuses on his circumstances. He focuses on what's going on around him, and fear grips him, and he begins to sink. But I love this. Jesus just doesn't let him sink, right? Immediately, it says, he reaches out his hand, and he saves him. And then, he doesn't just save him, but then he teaches him a very important lesson that would impact Peter for the rest of Peter's life. He said to him, why so little faith? Like, I wonder what his tone was like when he said I wonder if he was almost like laughing, you know, like, like playful. Peter, why so little faith? Like, why did you doubt? Why, why, why did you take your eyes off me and start seeing things from a worldly perspective again? Like, you were focused on me. And then you started looking around, you started seeing the wind and the waves, and you started to fear. Peter, you were walking on water when you were focused on me and when you were trusting me. And then they climbed back into the boat with a different, and I would say a much deeper understanding of who Jesus was. And then what did they do? They worshiped him, right? They declared that he was the son of God. And after that, imagine the story that Peter had to tell for the rest of his life. Amazing. So I want to talk about this because I think that there's a lot that we can learn from this and apply to our lives today. Because, like, I love Peter. There's so much about Peter that that I love. And I love how Peter asked Jesus to call him out onto the water because this is a crazy request. Like, this is an absolutely crazy request. Jesus, I see you doing something miraculous I see you doing something that's defying the laws of physics, and I want you to demonstrate your power to show your glory by calling me and enabling me to do something that defies understanding. I see you doing it, Jesus. I see you doing something absolutely amazing, and I want you to show your glory and your power by calling me to do something. Like, that's his request to Jesus. And you know what I think when I think about that? You know know what I think about I think, how often are my requests, we call them prayers today because we're not talking to Jesus face to face, right? How often are my requests, how often are my prayers this way? Like, how often are my requests of God, these big, hairy, faith-filled, risky prayers that if answered, if answered, will be challenging to me and will demonstrate God's glory in a profound way? Like, how many of my prayers are that way? How many of my requests of God are that way? Too many times our prayers are like, they're, 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 they're centered on, they're focused on safe things and predictable things and comfortable things and selfish things. Like, too many times that's what consumes our prayers. We're not, we're not asking God to call us out into the water. We're saying, God, keep me safe, right? We're saying things like, um, keep me safe, God. Please, please bless me, God. Please help my back feel better, God. Please help me pass this test, God, right? 
please, please uh, let me win the lottery, God, right? Like too many times, that's the entirety of our prayers. And guys, if that's the entirety of our prayers, if, the, if that's what our prayers is like, we're in trouble. Like how unimpressed God must be with some of our prayers. Do you ever think about that? We're talking about the God of the universe, the one who made everything, the one who is huge and capable of doing anything. You ever wonder why maybe we don't see God do amazing, powerful things in our lives? Maybe because we're not asking him. Maybe we're asking him to do things that are too easy, that are predictable, that are selfish, that are comfortable for us. I love James. In James 4, he says, James writes, he says, you do not have because you do not ask, right? And if, if that's all our prayers consisted of, you know what kind of faith that leads us to? Like if my prayers are all prayers uh, that are focused on, uh, that are safe and, and predictable and comfortable and selfish, that leads to a faith that's impotent, it's powerless, it's riskless, and it's dead. When those are my prayers, that's the kind of faith that it leads me to. You ever feel stale in your faith? I have, many times. You ever feel just, just stale like, is this it? You know? Like, is this, is this what Christianity is, is, is? Like, it's, it's safe to follow Jesus. It's, it's not too exciting to follow Jesus. You know, I really, I really don't see God move in powerful ways. I mean, I know he takes care of me. I know he loves me, but you ever feel like that? You ever feel like, is this, is this, is this it? Is this what following Jesus is about? You know, like trying to be a pretty good dude, trying to be a good husband, you know, going to church, trying to be a good person, grabbing my Bible, and I've got to read my Bible today, read my two chapters, and then I'm done with it. Drop it down. I've got to get on my knees. I've got to spend a little time in prayer today. Like, is that, is that it? Guys, that's not Christianity. Like, that's, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is an adventure. It's exciting. It's invigorating. Christianity, following Jesus, is about praying these big, hairy, faith-filled prayers, asking God to call us out of the boat and do things that can only be accomplished if he steps in, if he steps in in powerful ways, demonstrating his glory and changing our lives in the process. That's what Christianity is. That's what God did. That's what Jesus did for Peter, and that's what Jesus will do for us too. And can we be honest here that this many times entails things like when we take these risks, when we step out of the boat, so to speak, and we take these risks, can we just be honest that sometimes it entails things that are kind of uncomfortable for us? Like stepping out and taking risks can be uncomfortable. Let me ask you this. What was it like? What is it like to walk on water? We don't know, right? I don't know. You don't know. And guess what? Peter didn't know either. It was unknown to him. A number of weeks ago, we talked about how scary the unknown can be, right? But the fact is, the fact that it was unknown, like what would it be like, it didn't keep Peter from asking Jesus to call him out of the boat. Can you imagine how little control Peter had when he stepped out? He was only able to do it, only able to do it because of Jesus' power. He was completely and totally dependent on him, stepping out into the unknown with no control, only trust in Jesus. That's what Peter did, and it was beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. 
And guys, this is, this is what you and I are called to as well. Taking a risk that God is calling, not stupid risks, but taking a risk that God is calling us to, it's not easy, right? The unknown can be scary for us. Not being in control can be frightening for us. But when we keep our focus on Jesus and we trust that he's in control and that he loves us, he will lead us through what he's calling us toward. He always provides. He always provides for the calling that he gives us in his life. If God is calling you to something right now and you go, I, I don't know how gonna, this is going to happen. Like, this seems ridiculous. This seems crazy. Listen, God will always provide for his calling. No matter how risky, no matter how crazy, if this is what God is leading you toward, he will always provide for it. But when we take our focus off Jesus, it's absolutely amazing. Even when we've seen God do amazing things, even when we're seeing God do amazing things, it is crazy how quickly, when we take our focus off Jesus, how quickly fear can set into our lives. And it's what happened with Peter, right? When Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he looked around, what happened? He got scared, right? When our eyes are focused on him, man, we could be confident. We could be passionate. We could be excited. We could go forward. When we start looking around at other things, just like Peter, he got scared. He took his eyes off Jesus and he saw the wind and he saw the rain and he saw the waves. Hold on, what am I doing? People don't walk on water. What's happening here? I'm going to sink, right? And then he does. He began to sink. He took his eyes off Jesus, and fear came barreling in. It happened to Peter, and it can happen to us too. As we step out and we take a risk toward what God is calling us toward, we have to keep our focus and our, our perspective on Jesus. But I love how even, even when he was struggling, even when Peter was struggling to trust Jesus, it didn't keep Jesus from being faithful. It didn't keep Jesus from rescuing him, right? It says immediately as he's sinking, Jesus, help me. Immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and he rescues him. It reminds me of this passage in Romans 3, Paul's writing. I don't think we have a slide for it, but in Romans 3, Paul's writing. And he says something to the effect of, even, like, will our unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And he says, by no means. Even when we're unfaithful, God remains faithful. That's encouraging to me, right? Even when I'm a knucklehead, and sometimes I'm a knucklehead, even when I'm faithless, and sometimes my faith is weak, God still remains faithful to us. I need to hear that. I need to see that. I don't know about you guys. I hope you feel this way too. But I want to see God do amazing things. Like I want to see God do amazing things. And I don't want to be an outsider looking from the outside in on it. Like I want to experience God doing amazing things. Now listen, if I want to see God do amazing things in my life, then I have got to be willing to take a risk. I've got to be willing to step out of the boat and trust God to do what only he can do. If I want to see it, if I want to see him do amazing things, i got to be willing to step out of the boat, take a risk, and trust in Jesus to do what only he can do. Amazing things don't just happen when we're in, our, when we're in control, you know, when we're nice and snuggled up in our nice, safe, protected boat. You know, you know what happens then when we're in control, when we're, when we're just looking for safety? Boring things happen. Lame things happen. 
non-extraordinary things happen. Always safe, always controllable is boring. And you know what else it is? It's not biblical. This is not what followers of God, what their lives look like. It's not these safe, predictable, controlled lives, boring lives. That's not what it looked like. Like over and over and over again, people far beyond, more, far more than just Peter, you read the Bible and you see God do amazing things, calling people out to take huge risks, to do things that they can't even understand, to be a part of him doing things that they can't even understand. They can't, can't wrap their mind around. And he calls them out to do it, and then he does it. Like think about Noah. I'll give, you, I'll give you three examples. Think about Noah in Genesis 6 through 9. Noah, everyone on earth is incredibly evil. No one's listening to me anymore. I can't take it. I'm going to wipe everybody out, Noah, except you. I've given them chance after chance after chance after chance. I'm going to wipe them out, Noah, except you. Here's what I want you to do, Noah. I want you to go build a boat, a really big boat, huge boat. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring a bunch of animals to you, Noah, two by two, male and female, every animal you've ever thought of and far beyond. They're just going to come up to you. I want you to herd them in the boat. And then once everybody's in the boat, get your family in there too. I'm going to send rain. It's going to be a lot of rain, so much rain that it's going to flood the entire earth. I'm going to wipe everything out, Noah, except what's in that boat with you. And you're going to do this, and people are going to make fun of you. It's going to be risky, Noah. People are going to make fun of you. They're going to call you crazy. They're going to think you're a lunatic, but I will provide. And this is what I'm calling you toward. Do it. Do it, right? Noah, do it. And he does, and God does. Think about Joshua. Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. Maybe you've heard of this. Joshua, I'm going to give you Jericho. You know Jericho, right? Jericho is that, that really nice city with that gigantic protective wall. You know what I'm talking about, Joshua? I'm going to give that to you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to gather up everybody around the city, all of your people. I want you to march around the city one time, and then I want you to go back to your camp. Just march around and then go back to your camp. Do that for six days in a row. Then on the seventh day, I want you to march around the city again, but do it seven times. And when the, when the priests blow the trumpet blast, like one long trumpet blast, I want everybody to scream as loud as you can, and then guess what's going to happen? That gigantic wall is going to come falling down, and you're just going to be able to go in and take the city. Joshua, this is risky. This is crazy, but I need you to trust me on this. Go do it. Do it, right? Do it. And he does, and God does. How about Gideon? You remember the story of Gideon? You ever heard this story? Gideon, I mean, you should read this. It's Judges 6 and 7. Gideon, I am going to give you the Midianites. The Midianites are these terrible people that they hate you, and they're doing terrible, evil things to you. They're destroying all of your food. They're making life really difficult for you. I've heard your cries to me and your people's cries to me. I'm going to give them into your hands. Here's how I want to do it, Gideon. Gather up all of your people. Gideon does. gathers up all his people, 32,000 people. And he says, it's too many people, Gideon. Here's what I want you to do. Tell everybody who's scared they could go home. Gideon's like, okay. Tell everybody if you're scared you could go home. 22,000 of them leave. Got 10,000 people left. He goes, uh, Gideon, you still got too many people. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to think that you did this by your own power. I want you to know that it's me who's giving them into your hands. Here's what I want you to do. Send everybody down to the lake. Tell them to get a drink. Send them all down to the lake to get a drink. Everybody who drinks water like a dog, like this, I want you to send them home. Everybody, I don't know how I would do it, like if I would be one sent home. Everybody who does it like this and does it with their, cups it up to their mouth, I want you to keep them. Only 300 people. 
cup it up to everybody else. I don't know, what, what would you do? Would you lap it up like a dog? Or you Almost everybody laps it up like a dog. He sends them home, 300 people. He says, that's enough. That's good. Here's what I want you to do, Gideon. Break into three groups. Everybody grab a trumpet, grab an empty jar, okay? When I tell you, I want you to blow the trumpet really loud, throw down the jars, and I want you to yell as loud as you can, for the Lord and for Gideon. And when you do, I will destroy the Midianites. This people, 300 people, that's you, people as many as the sand on the seashore. And Gideon does. And God does, right? Guys, this is what, this is like all over the Bible. This is what people that are followers of God, and in the New Testament, people that are followers of Jesus, this is what we do. God calls us to step out. God calls us to take risks. And when we do, we get a chance to see him do absolutely amazing things. And here's the good news. It's not just something that happened in the past, in Bible days, right? It's something that God is still doing. God is still calling us to step out and take risks today. And that's good news because he's writing his story right now. It's not just here. This isn't like the extent of God working. God is writing his story right now in my life and in your life. Do we really believe that God is the ruler of everything, that he's mighty in power and he's still in the business of doing amazing things? Do we believe that? Nod your head. That'll help me. Yes. We do believe that, right? Then why don't we step out and exp- as he's calling us and experience him doing amazing things? This is what we're doing here. This is the Barberton campus. We are stepping out of the boat and saying, God, we don't understand all of this. We realize that Barberton and Norton are right next to each other. We're like four miles away from the Norton campus. And we feel like you're calling us to plant a campus in Barberton because you love this community. There's many people in Barberton that will not drive across city lines to go to Norton. And we feel you calling us here. And so we don't know the details, God, but we're going to step out of the boat and we're going to follow where you're leading us. That's what we're doing. We don't understand where we're going to be. We don't have a building, God. But we're stepping out and we're following you. Oh, we've never done church this way in a rented place, set up and tear down every week. But we're going to step out of the boat and we're going to follow you. Like, this is what we're doing. This is what God calls his people to do. But here's the thing. It takes all of us. Like, it's not just a few of us. It's not just the clergy. It's not just the church staff. It takes every single one of us. What kind of risk is God calling you to do right now for him and for his kingdom? Think about it. What does it look like in your life? Your faith is meant to be personal, but it's not meant to be private. That's not, that's not Christianity either. It's personal, but you don't keep it to ourselves. We, we are not people that just keep to ourselves. God calls us to step out. How is he calling you? You know, it's not just somebody else's story. This is your story. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to look back at my life and wish that I had stepped out of the boat. I don't ever want to get to the point and look back and go, man, I missed it. I missed an opportunity. I wish I would have stepped out. Regret is a bitter pill to swallow, right? It's a bitter pill to swallow. And it's usually driven by fear in our lives. I will not be driven by fear. I hope you won't either. I will not be driven by fear. I will be a man who is driven by faith. 
a man who trusts in God, a man who believes that when God calls us to something, he will provide for that calling. Living in fear is a miserable life. You don't want to live a miserable life. Neither do I. Step out of the boat and just wait and see what God does as you take a risk for him. And wait and see what kind of amazing things, amazing things he does in you and through you. Only you know what this looks like in your life, right? I, I, I don't know what this looks like. It could look a whole lot of different ways. You got to get down on your knees and you got to talk to God. Say, God, what are you calling me toward? Like, what, what, what does this look like in my life? Does it, does, does it mean me, like, stepping out and forgiving somebody that's hurt me? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, being a peacemaker. Do, does it look like me taking a risk and letting somebody in on my secret? We talked about that two weeks ago. Like, does it look like me loving my enemy? Does it look like me giving my spouse another chance? Does it look like me sharing you with somebody and I don't know how they're going to receive it? I don't know. But you know. As the band comes out, I want to I ask you a question. What kind of risk right now is God calling you toward? Are you going to him and asking him to be a part of the amazing things that he's doing? Like, are you asking him? Are you getting on your knees and saying, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing I believe that you're powerful. I believe that you're still in the business of doing miraculous things and changing people's lives. Are you asking God that? Are you listening to him as he's responding to you? Are you willing to step out and do what he's calling you to do? And do you believe that as you step out, he will respond by doing what only he can do? Not what we can manage on our own, but what only he can do takes all of us. And I know this, God has plans for you. Each of you, each of us, God has specific things, amazing things in store for each of us if we're willing to step out and take a risk. And he's in control and he loves you and he's trustworthy. And that gives us a lot of confidence. So what risk is God calling you?